you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Today we wrap up our sermon series, and I want to tell you about this moment, this both exciting and terrifying moment that happened to me back in July of 2019, July 8th, specifically 2019. For those of you who weren't part of the core of people that helped start this church, our church began on July 8th. 2019. And the morning that we were founded as a church, I was up early that morning. I was out running. I was praying. And I was both scared and excited at the same time. Scared about the idea of helping to plant a church in the Chattahoochee Valley and trying to raise up leaders. But I was excited. I was thrilled. And that morning, I prayed a very specific prayer. It's been on my heart. It's not left my mind since July 8, 2019. That prayer was God use this church, listen to this number, to raise up 1,000 leaders in my lifetime. And I have just made a commitment that morning, early on the road, I can remember exactly where I was when I made this commitment. Lord, I will use every fiber of my being, every ounce of my strength, every bit of my energy. I will give my dying breath to see this church raise up 1,000 leaders in my lifetime. And I asked you a question at the beginning of this service today. I asked you, would you consider yourself to be a leader? Would you consider yourself to be a church leader? Because if you're getting connected with Two Cities Church, I need you to understand something about our church. Here it is on the screens. Our church exists to turn followers of Jesus into church leaders. Now, I think many people are going to struggle with the idea of calling themselves a leader because many people have been trained to believe that you have to be a priest or you have to be a pastor to be a leader. Let me explain this phrase that's on the screens for you. Let me explain what I mean when I use the word leader today. You see, when Jesus called people out of their sins and into a relationship with them. When he went to fishermen and he called them to drop their nets and to follow them, he made this statement, follow me and I will make you, if you know the rest of the sentence, say it out loud. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He called people first to be followers. And I think sometimes Christians can get stuck at this first stage and miss the real reason that he is calling you into a relationship with him in the first place. Follow me, and I'm going to turn you into a leader. I'm going to make you into a fisher of other men and other women. Two Cities Church exists to be men and women who belong to the city of God, but we're leading other men and women who live here in the city of man, and we're trying to be good citizens of both cities at the same time. So by the end of today, I hope that everybody in this room, everybody who's watching this broadcast says, I believe God has called me to be a leader. And this year, I'm going to lead one person, just one person. But this year, I'm going to push back darkness and I'm going to lead one person to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for them. And then I'm just going to leave what happens next in Jesus's hands. 
I'm going to point us to a couple of verses from the New Testament and what I believe is probably some of the most important verses in the entire Bible about sharing our faith. And it tells us the whole picture of sharing our faith. These verses are found in 2 Corinthians. They come from the great apostle Paul, this former persecutor of the church and a guy who tried to stamp out Christianity who becomes one of the greatest spokesmen for the faith in human history. And Paul says this about sharing his faith. He's speaking to other Christians when he uses the word we about sharing our faith. And here's what he says. For to God, we, I want you to put your name in parentheses where you see the word we. For to God, we are, listen to this, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. Don't stop there. And among those who are perishing. Now, if you're a little bit confused about what he just said, he's going to explain it for us next. To some, we are an aroma of death leading to death. But to others, we are an aroma of life leading to life. And then Paul says it this way, who is adequate for these things? For we do not market the word of God for profit like so many, On the contrary, we speak with sincerity in Christ as from God and as before God. Paul is giving us some very basic words here on sharing our faith. And these three verses are intensely theological. There's a lot of theology that we're going to talk about for just a second, but they're also very practical. And what I want to do today is just focus on the practical nature of becoming a leader for one other person, just leading one other person to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And the way that you do that, it starts by being amazed at what God has done in your life. Being so excited about it that you cannot really contain it. Please, please, please don't ever get over who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. It should be as exciting for you today as it was for you on the first day. You see, Jesus saved me at 13 years old. And I remember what it was like before Jesus saved me. I remember the fear that I dealt with. I remember the loneliness. I remember the anxiety. I still remember it very clearly. And I also remember what it felt like the day after Jesus saved me. And I realized that some of you, you came to faith in Jesus at a very young age. You grew up in a Christian house. You heard about Jesus almost every day of your life. You don't really remember what it was like before you became a Christian, but many of you have these periods in your life. Maybe they were a week, maybe they lasted for years, where you kind of turned around and you started to live life without Jesus. Remember what that was like? You remember the struggles, you remember the anxieties when you were walking away from Jesus? See, the idea here is that you and I remember what Jesus did for us, and we don't ever get over what he did for us. In fact, today I wore my favorite t-shirt of all times. Here's what it says right here on the t-shirt for those of you in the back of the room. It says, I am the wretch the song refers to. I don't ever want to forget who Jesus is 
and what Jesus did for me. Before I knew him, I don't ever want to forget what life was like before Jesus saved me. And then I want to constantly tell people what it was like after he saved me. Because it's been almost 40 years, and I still remember today what it felt like the day after Jesus reached down and radically saved a guy like me. So I want you to think about it this way. When you're excited about something, you just can't help but, you can't hold it in. You can't help but tell people. You know what this is like. You got to tell your family. You want your friends to know when you just landed that, pers- that perfect job. Like you can't keep it to yourself. Or when you just found the perfect woman, you want to tell everybody about it. When you just got accepted into the college that you've been dreaming about, or when you just bought the car that you've always wanted to own, you want other people to know about it. You're excited to tell them about it, and they're excited to hear about it because they can see it on your face. Well, I'm saying that Christianity is supposed to be like that for us. And when I got up today, I needed the blood of Jesus to forgive my sins yesterday as much as I needed it on that first day. I needed the grace of God to give me the strength to become more like him today, just like I needed it on the first day. And when I see Christians, maybe this isn't you, but I meet Christians from time to time that really seem like they're bored with their relationship with Jesus, like it's stale or it's not exciting to them. And I kind of want to say, if your relationship with Jesus isn't exciting, you're doing something wrong. You're just not doing it right because it should be as impactful in your life today as it was on the first day. And people should see that there's something about you, something different about you that makes them want what you've got. And that all starts by being amazed and never get over who Jesus is and what Jesus did for you. But it doesn't stop there. That's how Jesus steps in and changes a person, and we just get excited to tell others about it. But after he's changed us, we need to remember that he made us for his glory And he recreated us to make a difference. You see, I really should have put on the screens that you were remade or you were born again to make a difference. God, when he created you in the first place, it was so that he could love you and so that he could shower you with his glory. And that he could put you on display for the world to see. And when God remade you, he remade you to make a difference. We say pushing back darkness around here, but just to make an impact wherever you find yourself. That's the reason why God stepped in and God saved you. It was for his glory, listen to this, and for your good. But please don't ever get these two mixed up. You see, if you're not careful, you'll start to put yourself at the center of Christianity Christ must remain at the center. God saved me for his glory, not for my glory. He happened to save me for my good, but he ultimately did it so that he could just put me on display for the world to see and to show the world how much of a difference he could make in a person's life. And the Apostle Paul refers to this as kind of a fragrant aroma 
or a fragrant offering. Now, if you were living in Bible times and you went to a synagogue or you went to the temple, the priests would often carry a censer through the congregation on their way to the front. They would take some of that frankincense, some of that fragrant scents, and they would sprinkle it on the altar and the fire would cause smoke to go up. And it was a pleasant aroma for everybody in the room. The Bible often refers to the prayers of God's people or the sacrifices of God's people as a fragrant aroma to God. And what Paul is describing today is a life lived for Jesus that smells good to God and it also smells to other people. To some, it is the aroma of death, Paul says, to those that want nothing to do with what you believe and don't want to hear what you have to say. It's the aroma of death. But to some, it's the aroma of life because they see your life and they see that there's something different and they get this pleasant whiff of the life that you're living. And Paul calls this in 2 Corinthians, the aroma of life that leads to life. And if you're saying, I just want to make a difference, Jeff, I want to leave a pleasant smell when I leave the room, I want to leave an impact. Well, let me give you a couple of things to think about here. If you really want to leave a difference, then I'm going to ask you, listen to this phrase, to smell good to those around you by serving them. Just find a simple, very natural way to serve people that God has already placed in your path. So maybe for you, it's inviting somebody out this week to a cup of coffee. Say, hey, I want to buy you a cup of coffee. I'd like to have a conversation with you. Or maybe for somebody in here, it's you write a note, a little note of encouragement. Write it to the cashier that checks you out at the Publix grocery store. Write it to the person that works on your car. Write it to the person that waits on your table. And just write a little encouraging note, a personal note, if you see the same person over and over again, and just leave that note with them as a note of encouragement. Maybe that note will become the thing that helps to start a conversation this year. Or maybe you could put a gift card in the mail to somebody that you know, maybe somebody that's hurting, and a little note with that gift card that just says, I'm thinking about you, I'm praying for you, I'm here for you. Here's another idea. Maybe you could offer to help your neighbors with their yard work and don't offer or don't accept any payment whatsoever. And when your neighbors are asking, why are you doing this for me? Why are you being nice to me? It opens the door to a conversation about who Jesus is and what he's done for you, and how you want him to do that for other people. Got a couple of other suggestions. Why don't you try to direct message a friend on social media? Somebody that you went to high school with, somebody that you worked with a long time ago, and you haven't talked to in a long time, and you're not sure where they're going to spend eternity, and just reach out to them that way, and start a conversation with them. Or better yet, send a text to a friend. And just ask them, hey, can we meet together this week? Can we have a conversation? Can we FaceTime? Maybe we can meet together over Zoom. And here's a final example. If you guys haven't seen this yet, you really need to check this out. Why don't you, instead of inviting somebody to a conversation, why don't you invite them to your home to watch an episode of the miniseries, The Chosen? 
Just ask them, would you come over to my house? I got a TV show I think you're going to love. I just want you to watch it. And then at the end of that TV show, and if you don't know The Chosen, you got to check out the trailers online on this programming. Just invite them to come over to your house and watch an episode with you. And at the end of that episode, start a conversation with them. Basically, what you're doing is saying, when I leave a room, I want to leave an impact. I want to leave a fragrant of fragrance that are going to cause people to want to know more about who I am and what makes me tick, about what I believe. That's what it looks like to make a difference, the difference that you were recreated, born again to make. Step three is to keep in mind that disciples are not mass produced. Paul uses the phrase marketing the gospel. And what we're reminding ourselves is that God changes the world one heart at a time. He does it when one Christian shares what they believe with one person that's not a Christian. And then that person steps across the line of faith. And we around here start to get them plugged into what we call basic training and start to teach them how to do this with somebody else. And when one person talks to another person, and then those two start to talk to two more who talk to four more, pretty soon the entire world starts to hear about who Jesus is. But it happens one heart and one person at a time. You see, the idea here is that everybody is different. Everybody is unique. And so we don't take this mass market, this factory line assembly approach to making disciples. Jesus just dealt with people right where they are, started right where they are, and started investing in them as individuals and moved them from where they are to who he wanted them to be, who he made them to be. I want you to hear something from me. Leaders, leaders in the church are listeners. In fact, God gave you two ears and one mouth on purpose so that when you start the conversation with somebody about Jesus this year, you do a lot more listening than you do talking. I do a whole lot more listening than I do talking. This is how we treat people as unique, treat them as individuals. We just listen to them tell their story. We ask a couple of questions and then just let them pour their heart out. And if you're saying, Jeff, I don't even know where to start. What questions do I use to start the conversation? I want to talk to my neighbor. I have a family member, somebody who's close to me but far from Jesus. How do I even start this conversation? Let me give you a couple of conversation starters. In fact, take out your app and right there in the notes section for today's sermon, write one of these questions down. Ask them a question like this. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? And then just listen and let them start talking. Or ask them the question, what do you think happens to a person after they die? Don't answer, don't argue, just listen. And let them tell you what they believe. Try asking this question, do you believe in heaven or hell? You're not arguing for the existence of heaven and hell, you're just asking them, what do you believe? Or ask them, do you believe that there is a God? Ask when is the last time that somebody looked you in the eyes and told you Jesus loves you? Or ask them a question like this. 
is there anything that I could do to help you understand who Jesus is and how much of an impact that he has made in my life and how he can do that for you too? And then just listen. But please, Two Cities Church, lean in right now and look up here. When you listen, look up here. You're listening with your... You see, I'm convinced that sometimes Christians start the conversation and what they're attempting to do is try to argue somebody into heaven. And they're listening with their head for the person that they're talking to to say something wrong so they can pounce on it and tell them how wrong they are. And if that's the approach that you're taking, it usually doesn't work that way. But if you'll listen with your heart, I am absolutely convinced that most people will just honestly tell you what's holding them back from becoming a Christian. In fact, I can almost answer for you right now the majority of the time that somebody is hesitant to become a Christian, it's because they've been burned in the past. They've been burned by another Christian, and they think that all Christians are like that, and I don't want to be like that, so I'm not going to uh, accept your first your faith, or they've been burned by the church. And they think, I want nothing to do with the church because the church is full of people that hurt me like that. And if you'll just ask an honest question and then listen with your heart, not your head, not trying to win an argument, but listen with your heart to treat people like an individual, treat them like they're unique, most people will tell you in no uncertain terms, what's holding them back. I am 100% convinced you can listen most people into the kingdom of God. If you will just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and listening with your heart. Paul says it this way. We don't mass market the word of God. Some people do that. We don't do that. He uses this phrase next in verse 17. We listen with sincerity. He's saying we listen with our hearts and we listen from God and we listen as unto God. We're doing it with sincere hearts because we believe God changes the world one heart at a time. And he does it through people like me and you. Which brings us to the fourth and the final point today. Actually, this entire sermon series is leading up to this point. Will you make a commitment? This year, I'm going to talk to one person. And by talking to them, I'm leading them. I'm going to talk to one person in the year 2021 about Jesus. Now listen. If you're sitting there and thinking, Jeff, I'm really, really intimidated about the idea of talking to one person about Jesus, I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul said one more time. Paul lived in a day before there was internet, mass media, social networks. He lived in a day where the gospel spread from one person to the next through one-on-one -on -one conversations. And perhaps nobody in human history shared their faith in more one-on-one -on -one conversations. We don't have a record of anybody sharing their faith with more people individually than the Apostle Paul in the Bible. 
And even the Apostle Paul says, when I start to think about sharing my faith with one other person, I start to ask the question, who's adequate for this? Who can feel up to this? Who feels like they should be good enough or that they're smart enough to do this? And if the Apostle Paul, of all people, the great Apostle Paul says, I don't feel adequate to do this, maybe it should give you some encouragement to think, I don't feel adequate to do this, Jeff. But if God could do it through a persecutor of the church like Paul, if God could do it through a person like you, Jeff, then I believe God can do the exact same thing through a person like me. And so would you just start to pray? God, is there a family member that I don't know for certain is on their way to heaven? Would you put them on my heart this year? Father, do I have a friend Is there a neighbor that I'm not really sure if they believe what I believe? Maybe it's a coworker, or maybe it's somebody that goes to class with you. Maybe it's the cashier. Maybe it's a parent that's on, their child is on the same ball team as your child. Maybe it's an online gamer that you talk to all the time. Perhaps it's somebody at the gym. Would you just say, God, would you put somebody on my heart right now? Somebody who I'm not sure that they're on their way to heaven. And would you give me an opportunity? I'm, I'm freaking out about this a little bit. But God, would you give me an opportunity to just start the conversation, to ask some questions, and then to just step back and to listen and to pray. Listen to what I'm going to say next. And to trust what happens next in your hands. You see, Two Cities Church it likes to tell superhero stories. And when we share our faith, we make it unmistakably clear that Jesus is the superhero of our faith. We're not the hero of that faith. In fact, when we do session three of basic training, which prepares you for session four, producing leaders, when we do session three, teaching you how to explain the good news, we ask you to use this very specific phrase, use these words exactly then Jesus saved me. And we ask you to use those words so that there's no confusion. It wasn't a prayer that I prayed. It wasn't walking down an aisle. It wasn't something spiritual that I did as a little girl or a little boy that changed my soul. No, Jesus reached down into my sin and Jesus cleaned me up and he changed me. We actually ask you to use two or three words to explain your faith to people. Just two or three words that describe who you were before Jesus And those opposite words that describe what happens after Jesus saved us. But we want it to be unmistakable that Jesus is the hero of my salvation story. I'm not. And he can do for you what he did for me. You see, if I place myself at the center of this story, then people start to decide whether or not they think they're that good or they think they can live up to that standard. When I make Jesus the superhero of this story, listen to this. Check this out, y'all. It takes all the pressure off of me because now I just explain what happened and step back and leave the results up to God. I just explain who Jesus is and what happened when he saved me and tell people that he can do the same for them and invite them to a relationship with Jesus. But what happens next, according to the Apostle Paul, is life or death. And it's not up to me. 
It's up to the Holy Spirit of the living God and the person that I'm having a conversation with. And I am just being a faithful, fragrant aroma to God at this point, trusting that the one who started a good work in me will use me to start a good work in others, and he will keep doing it until the day he calls me home or until he completes the work that he's done in my life. So I'm going to ask you, would you pray? God, put one name, one face on my mind, and would you help me this year to start a conversation with one person? I wanted to make this a really special moment in the whole sermon series. So I called Kenny Thomas and I said, Kenny, would you think of a song that may drive this point home? And Kenny said, Jeff, I got the perfect song. In fact, Kenny went out and he recruited the big guns to help out with this one at this point. He went and got his friend, Billy Montana. You don't know that name? Billy's been writing songs for Kenny Rogers for McTina McBride, Billy Montana wrote the song for Garth Brooks that debuted at number one on the Billboard charts, the first song in history to do that. And Billy and Kenny want to sing a song for you. It says, one heart, one soul, one life for us to give, one dream, one sky, one God up above, one you, one me, one love. Listen to Kenny and Billy. Guys, it's Kenny. How are you doing, Two Cities Church? Good morning. Jeff asked us to find a song that would work well with the sermon series he's doing on one. So I thought, hmm, let me think of a song for that. I called my buddy Billy Montana up here in Nashville, Tennessee. We are in the big guns tonight. We came to Curb Record and Word Record, where Billy is the writer of a song that we think might fits work, that might fits fit that take it pretty good pretty good uh you mm-hmm. might remember the guys from sister hazel did this song um here we go we are just children in his hands two in a million Precious grains of sand And we slip through his fingers Dancing on the wind We find each other There's one you, one me One chance for us to live One heart, one soul One life for us to give One dream, one sky One God up above One you, one me one love, yeah, 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 one love. A star made a wish on us tonight, hanging out in heaven, inspired by our light, because he knows how it feels to shine on all the world and last forever. One you, one me, one chance for us to live, one heart, one soul, one life for us to give, one dream, one sky, one God up above, one you, one me, one love. 
That was Bill and Ted on an excellent adventure. Hey, I want to just hear, I want you to hear again what he's saying. That one person reaching out with one heart and just sharing sincerely what God has done for you can change the world. It really can. And what I'm going to ask you this year is would you just make a commitment if you are a Christian? Will you make this commitment that's on the screens at the bottom of the screen? Will you just say, Lord, this year, I'm going to share my faith with one person in 2021. God, I need you to show me who. God, I need you to help me make the time to start the conversation. And then, God, I need you to step in, and I need you to become the superhero of this story and for you to take over. I'm just going to tell them who you are and what you've done for me, and then invite them into the same kind of relationship with you that I have. If you'll do that, I am 100% convinced that God will bless your efforts. Maybe they become a Christian, maybe they don't, but God will bless you, and he may start to really work on the heart of the person that you're talking to. This is what it looks like. This is what we mean when we use the word lead at Two Cities Church. I'm just going to show you how natural and how easy this should be because maybe you're watching this broadcast for the first time and maybe you're realizing that you are spiritually blind and that God sent his amazing grace to help you see. And maybe you're realizing for the first time, I need this kind of relationship, Jeff. I don't have what you're describing, and I can't give it away to somebody else because I don't have it. So maybe what you need is to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time. Maybe what you just heard when you read the Bible is, I am the one who is dead and on my way to an eternity without Christ in hell, and I don't want to spend the rest of eternity there. So Jeff, how do I settle this once and for all? with Jesus. Will you do it in the form of a simple prayer? Y'all, there's no magic in these words, but if they come from a sincere heart, I am convinced that God in heaven hears it, that he honors the prayer, and that he will radically and totally transform your life like he did me at 13 years old. So I'm going to ask you if you're watching this broadcast or if you're in this room, would you just bow your heads? I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And will you make this commitment for the first time if you're not a Christian? Would you just cry out silently in your heart, God, forgive me. God, I'm a sinner. 
Father, I believe that I can't work hard enough or be religious or even go to church enough to earn forgiveness for my sins. I believe that the wages of sin is death. That's why Jesus was willing to leave heaven and come to earth and to die on the cross. His death was a payment for my sins. And God, I don't want to spend the rest of my life without you. I don't want to spend eternity without you. So right here, right now, God, I am turning from my sins. I can't do this on my own. I need your supernatural help. I'm turning from my sins, and I am turning to Jesus as my Savior, my rescuer for the first time. And God, you know me, so you know I'm, I'm sincere. Would you change me? Would you put your amazing grace on me? And Father, I believe that you can hear that from heaven. I believe that you honor the sincere heart. I believe that you are standing ready to change somebody's eternity right now. And God, I'm just asking that you would give us as a church the privilege of knowing about this commitment and following up with them, getting them started in basic training and letting them start to become the leader that you have created them and made them new to become. But Father, I pray for Christians right now. I pray that all of us would make a commitment. This is going to be the year, God. I'm going to share my faith with one person this year. And I just need you to show me who. I need you to help me make the time to, to have the conversation. And then I need you to take over and to speak through me next, God. And I believe that if you will do that, you will raise up leaders in this church and we as a church will train others and turn them into leaders who will train others and turn them into leaders until there's a thousand leaders around the world who are active in sharing who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them and pushing back darkness in our community where roughly 75% of the people around us don't know your son Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. They've heard his name but they don't know him as Lord and Savior. Or wherever people are watching this, they would become powerful witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. God, would you do what only you can do? Would you change a heart for the first time right now? Or would you impress on the hearts of your people the desire to want to share the greatest news that's ever happened to them, the news that Jesus has changed them from the inside out? I pray this. In Jesus' name, for his glory and for our good. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.